Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Good morning. If only we could learn to be as loyal as a dog, huh? Uh, some of you probably heard me use this before, but one of the words is translated worship. And the Old Testament means to uh, lick the hand of a master uh, like a dog does in, in appreciation for all the master does for it. And in light of all Christ has done for us, how much should we be loyal in, in our lives? Uh, we've got a deficit. I think all of you recognize that in our culture. We've got a deficit of, of loyalty when it comes to uh, almost every arena uh, of life today, uh, whether it be uh, marriage or whether it be employment or uh, w- whether it be church or in friendships or uh, e- even, you know, a deficit of people being loyal to our, our country. We've got a deficit in, in a lot of ways when it comes to uh, to loyalty. So that's why we're doing this series. We're in a part of this series to where I told you last week we're going to kind of slow down and be in a similar topic uh, for a, a few Sundays uh, because we're talking about partnerships, the partnerships, and, and how we ought to be loyal in, in partnerships in several ways. Uh, last week we talked about friendship and how we ought to be uh, loyal to, to our friends. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, being loyal in, in marriage and how our marriages ought to reflect Christ and his church. And I think you'll clearly understand that part of it after we get on into the message. Uh, next week, uh, we will be taking a hiatus from uh, this series for next Sunday because Corey Alley, uh, who has preached for us on one occasion on a Sunday, Corey is a, a church planner in the Concord area. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's going to come in and he'll speak for us both services next Sunday morning. Uh, and then we not, we will not be having our small groups next week. Uh, so he'll be preaching here on Sunday evening, uh, also at uh, 6 o'clock, and then on Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, to give you a little bit more time after you get off work to get here, uh, Corey's going to be with us at 6.30. So our services will start at 6.30 on uh, Monday through Tuesday. Uh, not this week, but the following week. So pray for Corey as he comes to be with us. Uh, his topic is going to be dealing with uh, five dangerous prayers. So I don't know uh, exactly all of those. I, I know one of them will be something like, God, use me. That's a dangerous prayer sometimes to pray. Or uh, God, make me. God, break me. Uh, those types of things. So he'll be with us. Then the week after that, <clears throat> we'll pick back up in, in this series. And uh, that will be, uh, for this month, our family Sunday, when all of our children's ministry uh, will be in here with us. So I'm going to talk about loyalty in the family, because the Bible definitely talks about that, about uh, children being loyal and, and obedient to parents and how the parents ought to relate uh, to the children, not exasperate them, to parent them in, in, in the right way instead of bringing about uh, anger in their lives by the way we try to, to parent them. So that's what we'll be talking about, and then we'll go on to talk about employment and then uh, loyalty to the church. And then we'll move on in our loyalty series to a different topic. But but this issue about partnerships, I think, is really, really important. So that's why I wanted to slow down and, and talk about it. So I said a moment ago, we're going to talk about uh, loyalty in the marriage relationship or the marriage 
partnership today. I think all of us would recognize this. God expects us to have loyalty in our marriages, right? Especially when it comes to areas of intimacy or sexuality, uh, God expects loyalty there. But God's not just in that area. In every avenue of, of the marriage relationship, God expects us to practice loyalty. Now, I think we also understand this. <laughs> we live in a messed up world, don't we? We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's been affected by sin. So that means it can be very difficult to practice loyalty in our marriages to the degree that God would love for us to, to the degree that God would like for us to practice loyalty in all the arenas of our marriage relationship. It can be difficult because of sin that's in the world, because of a fallen world that we live in. But... That being said, I don't want you to use that for an excuse, because here's also the truth. If you know Christ as your Savior, the very God of the universe lives inside of you. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, so we have the Holy Spirit of God as believers to equip us, to help us. We have the Word of God to instruct us, to help us practice loyalty in our marriages. So while we live in a world in situations and circumstances that it might be difficult to practice loyalty, we as believers have God in us and we have the Word of God to instruct us to help us be more loyal. So don't just say, well, yeah, well, it's a messed up world, so I can't help the, the, the disloyalty I have in my marriage. Yes, you can if you're a believer. Because you have God to help you. Do you believe that? If you're a believer, you have God to help you. So, so let's think about that today. How, how we do have the Lord to, to help us as we talk about loyalty in marriage. I want to ask two main questions this morning and, and then answer them for you, hopefully. And if you're following along in the updates and taking notes, here's the first one. Why? Why? Should Christian marriages be loyal marriages? Why should Christian marriages be loyal marriages? I, I tried to escape Ephesians 5 because, guys, I've preached it so much over the years. I, I use it in a, in a systematic way when, when I do premarital counseling with people. And, and I tried to jump over into Proverbs, and I'll give you some references to read in Proverbs later on in the message but it seemed like God wouldn't let me get away from Ephesians 5. Instead, he kind of gave me a, a different way to unpack it maybe than I, than I have before. And that's by asking these two questions. Why should our Christian marriages be loyal marriages? We're going to break this down more in the second question this morning. But, but I want to read through Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And as I do so, I'm just going to point some things out to you. And give you kind of a big picture before we get into our second question this morning. To give you a big picture as to why Christian marriages ought to be loyal marriages. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now ladies, before you get mad at me for reading that, you need to hold on and wait till I get to the second question, okay, this morning. And guys, by the way, I'll tell you this up front. That sounds difficult for the ladies, but you wait until I read what God tells us that we're supposed to do. Even as Christ is the head of the church's body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Guys, keep that there just for a minute. Go back one slide, please. 
back up one. I want you to notice some things. Christ is the head of the church. As the church submits to Christ, you, you see there's a picture taking place. And I'll say more about that in, in a minute. No, thank you, guys. Go back. Go on to the next slide now. Husbands, <clears throat> love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, I told you a minute ago, that's a mission stuff sound difficult, but we'll unpack that more in a few minutes. But once again, notice it's talking about Christ and the church. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself, once again talking about Jesus and the church, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Once again, talking about Jesus and the church. Because we're members of his body. So that's still talking about Christ in the church. We're part of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. And I'm saying, and I want you to really get this part, I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's why I wanted to slow down and read all that to where you'd understand. All through this passage, it's talking about Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So here's the big answer to the question number one today. Why should Christian marriages be loyal marriages? And here's why. The Christian marriage is to be a living illustration, a living picture of Jesus in the church. As Jesus is loyal to the church... We ought to be loyal in our marriages because our marriages are to be a living illustration and a live portrait for all the world to see about how Jesus and the church operate. And in our marriages, we need to be given an example to everyone around us that we're to operate and function in the same way that Jesus and the church does. So big picture, the answer as to why you and I should have loyalty in our marriages is because Jesus is loyal to the church. Amen? I mean, think about that for a minute. (laughs) Was Jesus, is Jesus loyal to the church? Jesus died for the church. That's how much he loves the church. He, He died for us. He died for our sins. He carried the burden of our sins. He carried the burden of our problems. He he carried our imperfection, our issues upon himself. Jesus was loyal enough to carry all of that junk that we have upon himself. And he went to the cross and and he died for us. So even today, Jesus practices loyalty toward his bride, the church. So all of those questions I was bringing up, the answer is yes, yes, yes. Jesus is completely, totally loyal to the church. So that means you and I, Christian marriage, ought to be completely, totally loyal in our marriages because we're trying to model for everybody else to see Jesus and the church. Does that make sense to you? That's almost a big enough answer I could just say, guys, let's have John come back up. We'll have the invitation, then we'll go home. Because we ought to model the same thing. That means we're to 
be a little bit like Jesus when it comes to our marriages. Jesus died for us, but previous to that, he had to die to himself. He took on the form of a servant. You and I, if we want to have the marriages that we need to have in both directions, the husband and the wife both, sometimes we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to what we want. We, we have to be willing to set ourselves aside, our wants aside, in order that we might be fully loyal in our marriage relationships. We, we need to, to willingly, as Jesus did, carry whatever burden might be imposed upon us by our spouse. And I understand sometimes it's not fun. And sometimes we, we wrestle with that and we get upset maybe when things that our spouse has done is causing an extra burden upon us. But Jesus carried our full burden to the cross. And I think that gives us a picture of how you and I in the marriage relationship, in a Christian marriage relationship, we have to bear each other burdens. We have to bear each other's junk. We have to bear each other's issues. We have to be loyal no matter what it is that we're going through in that marriage relationship. That's the big picture. That's question number one. Like I said, does that make sense to you? Question number two is this. I don't want to just raise a question why and not say how. So we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning answering this question. How can Christian marriages become more loyal marriages? How can we do that? What steps can we take? What can we find in this passage of Scripture that we'll grab hold of and we'll apply in practical ways in our lives, in our marriages, will help us to have more loyal marriages? Here's the first one, the first way, the first method, the first answer to how. Mutual submissiveness. Mutual submissiveness. I understand, and I've got the reference there on the screen, that Ephesians 2, verse 22 through 24, I read it a moment ago, talks about the wife submitting to the husband. I understand that. I'll talk more about that in a second. But the verse before it, which is talking in general to all believers... The passage right before it gets to the husband and wife relationship is talking about our relationship to other believers there in Ephesians. So the verse right immediately before the Bible says something to the wife about being submissive to her husband, the verse right before it says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you see that? Now, Someone wants to compartmentalize this a good bit and say, yeah, but that's talking to all believers. And then when we get to verse 22, it's talking to wives and husbands from that point on. And they'll say, but verse 22 says the wife is supposed to be submissive. So why are you talking about mutual submissiveness? Well, guys, this is just logical to me. And, and I hope you won't think it's an error theologically because I don't think it is. Just because two Christians get married, let me freeze that just for a moment which is the only biblical method for you to marry. You don't need to be joining light and darkness together in a marriage relationship because all that does is open up the door to all types of issues and problems down the road. You understand that? So if two Christians marry, and that's the biblical model, two Christians marrying, if two Christians marry, 
Just because those two believers have married, does that mean now you rip verse 21 out of the Bible and you say you don't have to apply to each other? I don't think so. Just because a, a Christian man and a Christian woman marries, does that mean we ignore verse 21 that we are told to practice among all believers? Surely to goodness, if the Holy Spirit says that's a good idea to practice mutual submissiveness toward all believers, surely to goodness, just because you get married doesn't mean, husband, that you can tell your wife you never have to be submissive. Does that make sense? If you just to rip that out of the Bible and say, well, we're married now, so it doesn't apply to us. The term that's used there, the, the word for submitting or submit or submits, means to willingly place yourself under in an orderly fashion. To willingly place yourself under in an orderly fashion is what the Greek word means. It's in a tense that is linear, progressive, and momentary. And what that means is this. In the moment, we're to be submissive sometimes. In the instant, in the moment, in the, in the situation that we're in, in the moment. But that doesn't mean you're to say, well, all right, I've been submissive now. I don't need to be submissive again for six months. <laughs> I was submissive 10 years ago. Then that's not what it means. It means to be submissive in the moment. But since the tense is also in a linear progressive way, it means in a linear ongoing progressive way that we're to continue practicing submission within the marriage relationship. That's what it means. It's not a one time and done action. It's something that we're to practice in an ongoing way to have mutual submissiveness. As I said a moment ago, it does talk about the wife submitting to her husband. That word, by the way, that we just looked at is a military term. It was also used in military circles, that particular Greek word. And it means to submit underneath in an orderly fashion. In other words, for an army to function, you have to have someone that's a general, someone that's a major, a captain, come on down the line, you know, a sergeant someone that's a private, in order for an army to function, there are different roles inside the army. Does that make sense? If everybody's a general, who's going to fight the battle? If everybody's a private, who's going to give some direction? And who's going to give some command? So, so in other words, sometimes in the marriage relationship, there will be that need for the wife to be submissive, but that doesn't mean that her inherent value is less to God whatsoever. As far as God is concerned, a butt private is just as important to him as a general is because Jesus died for both of them. Amen? So, so just because in the marriage relationship, in order to have function and decisions and things like that made sometimes that the Bible says to, to submit to your husband, that doesn't mean it's a negative thing. By the way, guys, when I get there in just a minute... <laughs> If you love your wife like Christ loved the church, it's going to be a lot easier for her to submit to you. Amen? So we'll get there in just a minute. But, but the Bible clearly speaks of a mutual submissiveness before it starts talking about the wife submitting to the husband. And the Bible also clearly speaks of the husband loving the wife. And sometimes 
That love is going to mean you have to be submissive yourself if you love your wife sacrificially in that way. So the first answer, how can our Christian marriages become more loyal marriages is this. We need to learn how to practice mutual submissiveness. Everybody can't always get their way. We, we have to be forgiven and, 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 be, and be submissive. Second way is this, sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. If we, if we will practice sacrificial love in the marriage relationship, in the marriage partnership, it will help us have more loyal marriages. Verse 25 through 30. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we're members of his own body. So let me give you four things out of the passage of Scripture about sacrificial love. First of all, sacrificial love gives. Sacrificial love gives. The illustration there is Jesus giving himself up for the church. Sacrificial love is a love that gives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That word for love, there's the, the God type of love, the agape type of love. It's, it's love in a social or a moral sense. Guys, that doesn't mean we just love our wives when they get dolled up with makeup and look really nice to go out on a date or something like that. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean we love them just because of their response to us. It means this, that we make a conscious, moral, social choice, just like God did for us. God didn't love me. God doesn't love you because you deserve it. God chose to love us. And that's the same way we ought to love in the marriage relationship, guys. We're to choose to love our wives in spite of whatever else might be taking place. We're to make a conscious, moral, social choice to love our wives. It's a God type of love. As Christ loved the church. And that phrase in the Greek means just as, in the very same way that Jesus loved the church. So how did Jesus love the church? He sacrificially died for us. Amen. That gives us a picture and a portrait of the type of sacrificial love that we ought to have for our wives or we ought to have for our spouses. Just like the, the, the mutual submissiveness goes both ways. Guys, I, I think the sacrificial love can go both ways also. He gave himself up for her. It means to surrender, to yield up, to entrust, to transmit himself over a cross for the sake of the church. That's what Jesus did for us. He gave himself over. He surrendered himself. He yielded himself up. He entrusted himself. He transmitted himself over for the sake of us, because of us, stretched out over because of us. And he was nailed to a cross. Jesus gave himself up for us. And in a similar way, we need to surrender, yield up, and trust, transmit ourselves many times over the life of our spouse in order to love them the way that we ought to love them. Sacrificial love gives. 
Sacrificial love also does this. Sacrificial love transforms. Sacrificial love transforms. That he might, after he talks about what Jesus did for the church, he goes on and says that he might sanctify her. In other words, he's transforming her. He's changing her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water by the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, that's not the way the church was to begin with. (laughs) I hope you've already figured this one out. If not, you go around defeated and discouraged a whole lot. The moment you got saved, everything was not changed completely in your life. God came to live inside of you. There's this change process that's taking place. You don't even know the moment you first get saved, all the change that needs to take place. You have to read it in the Word and apply the Word to your life to figure that out. So he, he, he saved us and now he's in the process of transforming us. And one day he's going to present to himself a perfect bride. One day, thank God, when we are in his presence, we're going to be without spot and without blemish because the Bible says when he appears, we'll be like him. One day we'll be a perfect bride for Jesus. Today's just not that day. <laughs> because we're still human, right? But he's working on us. So so apply that to the marriage relationship. We need to love our spouse in a way that's transforming them. They're not perfect the day that you married them. You weren't perfect the day that you married them. There's this transformation that takes place in the relationship as we try to love each other in the right way, as we try to to, to maybe sanctify each other, set apart each other. To uh, the, the word means to to make holy or set apart. Guys, apply that. That's what God did for us through Jesus. He took us out of our sin and he set us apart to himself. So apply that maybe in our marriage relationship, men. If you're not happy with where you are in the marriage relationship and where your wife is, maybe it's your fault. Maybe you need to love her in such a way that you are setting her more and more and more apart to yourself. Does that make sense? Because if you're not loving her in that way, what motivation does she have to really be attached to you, to really be set apart to you? But if you're loving her in the right way, then, then you can help set her apart to you even more. And, and wives, I think that's a two-way street. This transformation takes place through being sanctified, said by the washing of water by the word. And that phrase in the Greek means a bath. It means to immerse. It means raining. And, and it's got a fixed position there, the tense of it, a fixed position. When it says, with the word, that, that means that Jesus is transforming the church by the washing of water with the word. He's constantly using the word. In, in a fixed position, Jesus is using the word and instrumentality to, to change us. So apply that again to our marriage relationships. Maybe it would help our marriage relationships out if we would just take a bath in the word. Amen. If we would immerse ourselves in the Word of God. That's what the Word meant here. You, you and I in our marriages, we need to so immerse ourselves in the Word of God that it transforms us as individuals and it transforms our marriage relationships as we immerse ourselves into the Word of God. The Word even meant to reign. <laughs> Regrettably, what happens a lot of times in marriage is we just rain on each other with our words. 
That's not going to bring about transformation, just reigning upon your spouse with your words. But if we will reign upon them with the word of God, if we will reign upon their lives and our lives with the word of God, a real transformation can take place. If we'll immerse ourselves in that way in the Bible, you can transform your husband with the word, not your words, not nagging, not fussing with the word. Mean you can transform your wives, not by complaining and being critical all the time. You can transform them by immersing them in the word. That's the way you can, can transform your marriage. Sacrificial love gives. Sacrificial love transforms. Sacrificial love also nourishes. Because it also said there, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh. Now, guys, it's not the normal thing uh, for someone to hate themselves and injure themselves. I'll say more about that in a moment. You know, maybe you get up sometimes as you get older and you look in the mirror and you hate yourself a little bit. You hate your flesh, you hate the gray, you hate the wrinkles or, or whatever the case is. But no one ever yet hated his own flesh. The normal thing is this. We nourish it. Just as Christ does the church. Once again, you've got this picture of Jesus and the church. That Christ is the head of the church and we're the body of the church. And he's nourishing us because we're members of his own body. The word that's used there in the Greek for nourishes means to rear up to maturity. I'm not afraid to tell you all that because some of the women's probably going to tell their husbands later if they don't turn and tell them now. I've been trying to get you to grow up for a long time. I've had Becky before to joke around with people and, and, and say she's got uh, four kids. <laughs> we've got three. We've got one in heaven. We really do have four, so it would be five, I guess, and she's counting me in the mix. To rear up to maturity, to cherish, to train. The root word means to strengthen, to feed, to fatten. Guys, don't say anything about that. You'll be in trouble. To cherish, to pamper, even with food. See, the the church is the body of Christ. so, So Jesus cares for the church, doesn't he? Jesus nourishes the church. It, it, we, he's the head and we're his body. He, he nourishes the church. And in a similar way, we need to nourish our wives just as we care for our own bodies. We need to nourish our spouse. And the fourth thing I want you to see about sacrificial love, it gives, it transforms, it nourishes, but it also cherishes There in Ephesians, Paul wrote these words. It cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Like we might nurture and cherish our own bodies. We need to nurture and cherish our spouse. Guys, and he's specifically talking here about the bridegroom and the church. So he's talking about the the groom and the bride. You and I need to cherish our wives. The word means to warm, to brood, to foster. The, the word was used to talk about a, a mother hen covering her chicks in order to protect them and to keep them warm, brooding over them, fostering and caring for them. 
In a similar way, we're to cherish our spouse. We're to hold them near. We're to warm them physically. We're to warm them emotionally. We're to warm them spiritually. We're to hold them dear emotionally. We're to brood over them like a loving mother does her children. We need to foster and care for our spouse. So how can we make our Christian marriages more loyal marriages by mutual submissiveness, by sacrificial love, by doing all those things that is talked about, by giving and transforming and and nourishing and cherishing. But we also need to remember this. We need to remember what I've already talked about in the first point this morning, the first question, and, and that is that you and I are to reflect the model. We're to reflect this model that's being given us in scriptures. We and our marriages are to reflect the picture of Jesus and the church. Verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And he says, this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Think about the one flesh concept. If when you are brought together before God, you become one flesh, you're no longer Two, God views you as though you're one. That should greatly impact the way we respond to each other and the way we treat each other. It ought to greatly impact the the loyalty that we have to each other if we will constantly bear in mind that that we're one flesh. It's unnatural, as I said a moment ago, to intentionally harm yourself. People do sometimes. People go off the deep end. People can have things like PTSD or or deep depression and discouragement, and, and somehow they just don't pull out of it. But it's still not the normal thing to do. I forgot to bring my letter opener in here because I do this when I'm doing premarital counseling. I've got a, a sharp letter opening in my, my desk, and I'll put my hand on my desk when I get to this part of premarital counseling. And, and I will hold up the letter uh, uh, opener, and, and I will say, Now, if I started stabbing myself in the hand, a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to think, He's crazy. We better get out of here before he starts trying to stab us. But it wouldn't, it would definitely wouldn't be a natural thing for me to do, would it? Neither is it a natural thing for us to intentionally harm our spouse. Oh, will it hurt them? Yes. But guess what? You'll suffer consequences from it also. The one flesh concept. I've got a little bitty toe on both of my feet. And if I happen to be walking through the house in the dark at night and I hit that on a piece of furniture, my whole body knows that it hurts. And if we intentionally injure, whether it be physically or emotionally or whatever it might be, our, our spouse, guys, we're going to suffer also. There's consequences to injuring your spouse in a marriage relationship. But I want you to stop and think about it in even a deeper, more powerful way just for a moment. Because of the illustration that's being given here. If we are the body of Christ as the believers... Two believers that are married together. Once again, that's a biblical model that I mentioned earlier. A man and a woman married together. That's a biblical model. If we're joined together, if two believers are married, then those two believers are also in a one flesh relationship, not only with each other, but we are in a one flesh relationship with Jesus Christ himself. Do you understand that's true? 
Because Jesus lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit of God. He's the head of the church and you and your wife are part of that body. Not only are we brought together in marriage as the husband and the wife is one flesh, but in a Christian marriage relationship, the model is this. You're part of the body of Christ. Your spouse is part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of that body. So we are all three joined together in a one flesh relationship, which begs me to say this, that ought to dictate to us even more so, even to a greater degree, that you and I ought to reflect the model of Jesus and the church. We ought to reflect the model of what Christ is to the church and how he loves the church and how he sacrificially loves the church and he cherishes the church and he, and, and he transforms the church and, he, and, and he's nourishing the church. We, we need to look at that and understand in this relationship that we have, a one flesh relationship that we have been joined together. The word literally means we've been glued to each other as husband and wife. And that means we're also attached to Jesus in the one body. And how much more reason does that give us to reflect the model of Jesus in his church through our marriage partnership? Think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. It's not just about you. It's not just about you and your spouse. It's about you and your spouse and Jesus. And that ought to give us all the more drive and determination to say, we're going to have a loyal marriage because it's not just about me and it's not just about my wife. It's not even just about your children if you have children. It's about you, your spouse, and Jesus. And if we remind ourselves of that, it ought to help us have more loyal marriages. And that includes this in verse 33. That includes loving and respecting each other. There, there are two foundational commands that's given right here that I think will greatly help the marriage relationship if we would just practice it. Verse 33 says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. There's a foundational truth there. Here's why. The way God, and you've heard me say this before, and I've preached this text if you've been around here very long. The way God wired the wife emotionally. Women, you help me with this. Every one of you have an inbuilt deep desire and need to feel loved. Amen? That that God put in you. So that means, as husbands, we've got a target to shoot at. We need to be thinking about, how can I make my wife feel loved? What are things that I can do daily to make my wife feel loved? What what things does she enjoy? What things can, can I do to make her feel more loved? And guys, you can chime in on this. Just like God wired the women in such a way they've got this deep inbuilt desire and need to, to feel loved. Most men that I know of, that I've hung around with, I'm talking about men that are men. I'm not talking about Jello over here in the corner somewhere. Men have a desire to be respected. Amen? Amen? Don't be afraid to shake your head. That's the way God made us. 
So ladies, just like God has given a huge target for the men to shoot at, he's given you a huge target for you to shoot at. You need to be thinking of ways that you can make your husband feel respected. I've been in a situation before where I've seen wives put their husbands down in front of their friends. Don't do that because you're killing him inside. And sooner or later, it'll build up and build up and build up and you're going to have an explosion. See, if we could just practice these two things. Foundationally, men, if you love your wife... As Christ loved the church. If you love your wife as yourself. And, and, and ladies, if you try your best to respect your husband. And guys, sometimes we have to earn that by the way we love them. But it would help us have better marriages. We need to remember that we are reflecting Jesus and his church through our marriage. Last how. Last pathway to having a more loyal marriage. Yes, I'm going to say that word in church. And if you've been around here very long, you've heard me preach this whole passage. We don't have time for me to preach the whole passage this morning. That's why I'm giving you a homework assignment. You need to go read these passages. It's in your notes. It's in the updates. You need to go read them. Because if we would practice in the marriage relationship biblical sexual practices... It would help develop a stronger bond and a stronger loyalty in marriage if we would do that. Take time and read that on your own. I don't have time to unpack it all this morning. But you'll discover that God himself, the God who created our bodies, the God that designed this intimate relationship that we're talking about. He designed it to be enjoyed in the relationship of marriage, period. A man and a wife that are married together. That's how God designed it. It's a marriage bed that's undefiled. Amen? God designed for that to be practiced in the bonds of marriage. And the Bible doesn't say it's just about procreation either. 1 Corinthians 7, if you'll read that closely, instead of it sounding like, well, it's kind of okay if you want to have that type of intimate relationship every now and then. If you'll read that correctly and closely, I think you'll discover that God is saying you need to do it often. You need to be intimate with your spouse often. A regular, systematic way, because by doing so, you cut down on temptation. By doing so, you increase this, this bond between you and your spouse that God gave you to be an amazing gift in your marriage relationship. And you'll also discover some serious warnings that I gave you to read in Proverbs 5. You'll discover some serious warnings about practicing unbiblical, intimate sexual relationships. We ought to practice... Loyalty in all areas of our lives. We ought to practice it in the partnerships of life, in the relationships that we have. We, we ought to be loyal. We talked last week, we ought to be loyal in our friendships. But we also need to practice loyalty in the God-ordained partnership of marriage. Guys, God is the one that ordained it. God's the one that created it. 
And we ought to practice loyalty in this God-ordained partnership of marriage. Why should we? Because our marriages should be a living portrait and a live picture of Jesus and the church. How can we do it? We can become more loyal in our marriages by practicing mutual submissiveness, sacrificial love that gives, transforms, nourishes, and cherishes, by reflecting the model of Christ in His church, and by practicing proper biblical sexual intimacy. So this morning, can I ask you a question? How's your marriage? You may be scared of that question. I might be scared of that question. I can ask it boldly right now because Becky's not here to the next service. Honestly, how's your marriage? Maybe during this invitation time this morning, maybe you need to apologize to your spouse. Maybe there have been some things said or some wrong attitudes this week or maybe six months ago or whatever and you've never ever walked through it, you've never ever dealt with it. Maybe you need to apologize. Maybe during the invitation this morning, you and your spouse need to make some mutual agreements to do a better job at giving a picture of Christ in the church. To remind yourself that that's the model. Maybe during the invitation time today, you need to reboot. You know what a reboot is? Your computer gets locked up, has a problem, you reboot it, you turn it on, you, you bring it back up. Aren't you glad? I'm not just talking about the marriage relationship. Aren't you glad God allows reboots? He allows it in your marriage too. He allows reboots in your marriage also. This question is a word missing. It should say, are you part of the body? Because all this morning we've been talking about Christ and the body of Christ. Are, are you part of the church? Are you part of the, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ? If not, during this invitation this morning, you know what we can have right here? You might not have heard it alluded to like this before. You know what can happen right now this morning during the invitation time? We can have a wedding. We can have a marriage. And you can get married to Jesus this morning by trusting Him as your Savior. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for all the times we've given a very poor picture through our marriage relationship, through our marriage partnerships of Jesus and the church. Forgive us that we've given a perverted image for the world to see of Jesus and the church through our marriages. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be honest with ourselves. And Father, if being honest with ourselves means we need to turn to our spouse in honesty, whether it be right now during this invitation, or whether it be later in the day, or whether it be tonight or whatever, that we need to, to not put it off, that we need to turn to our spouse and apologize. And we need to turn to our spouse and and make mutual agreements with each other that we want to do the best job we can of portraying Jesus and the church in the world that we live in. 
Father, maybe intimacy needs to be restored to some relationships, whatever it is. Father, just help, help us to listen to your spirit and make the changes we need to make. Father, I pray this morning that maybe there'll be some husbands grab their wives by the hand and come and kneel here at the front and pray. Father, I pray that it be some people that aren't married that would do that this morning and say, God, help, help me to find the right person and help me to live out this model of Christ in the church and our marriage. Father, I pray there'd be maybe some teenagers this morning that would, would settle this in their heart, that they, they want the person that you have for them. That they need to marry the person that you have, not just someone based upon their looks or their popularity. But Father, they need to find another believer with a heart for Jesus. That they can be married together and chase after you all the days of their life. And Father, I pray this morning if there's someone in this worship center this morning that needs to be married to Jesus, that you'd give them the faith this morning they need to say yes to Christ. To admit that they're a sinner, admit they can't save themselves, to believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And by your amazing grace, even though they can't earn it, they can't deserve it, but by your amazing grace, they can enter into a marriage relationship with your son and be part of your family today by faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.